Hey everybody, welcome to the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. I'm John Burke, and with me from across the pond is the Kingsman to my statesman, Matt Hudson from whatiwatchtonight.co.uk. Matt, what's up? Movies, movies, movies. Uh, that's what's up, John, movies. Uh, other than that, we've had an unseasonable September heatwave in the United Kingdom. It's t- top 90 degrees today, which I know you guys in Florida, it's unheard of to you guys, but trust yeah. me, it's hot. Um, so that's been uh, that's been an experience, but no, uh, not so bad, my friend, not so bad. Um, but back in the back in full swing at work, kids are back at school. Um, life is starting to get back to normal, but I'm sure we'll mention that a bit later on. But you know, I'm okay, my friend. How about yourself? Um, yeah, I, I was my friend who is living in Spain now, um, who is a co worker until this year. Uh, she asked me, uh, today, like, because what she's hearing, like, from reports in Spain about Florida. Uh, have been like kind of scary, she said, or whatever. And she was yeah. um, basically asking, what is it, is it as bad inside as out? And I compared it to kind of like, it kind of feels like living in the invasion of the body snatchers world because like, like going through my day-to-day life, mostly it feels normal, like before pandemic, except I'm wearing a mask and many people are wearing masks, but other people aren't. But it mostly, I feel like we're trying to be like business as usual here in Florida, like as if it never happened. But then suddenly people just go missing. Mm-hmm. and okay i oh. like so and they they usually come back and when they come back maybe they're the same maybe they're a little different um nothing too true you know but like maybe they have a little harder time breathing or like you know maybe they now they're wearing a mask because they've gone through something or um and so far i've been pretty fortunate and anyone who i know who has died from covid has not been a person who i see day to day so like yeah. their their absence is not noted the same way um, but I do have like con- like a coworker's husband passed away or something like that kind of scenario. Um, but I wasn't seeing that person. But like my coworker vanished for a few days because of having to deal with that very tragic situation. And so like it- it's a weird kind of like everything feels a little surreal. And because people go away for like ten days, we're still kind of in the beginning of it. So it does feel like they just vanished, even though they're probably coming back it's only been three days. So it's like, it just feels like they're gone suddenly. Right. Like, cause we've only been in school for about a month here in Florida. And, uh, so like a lot of the people I've barely have seen yet, you know, like I see them three times a week on average because they do like every other day classes. Yeah. Like I have odds, evens, odds, evens, and then all six. Um, so when they're gone for three days, suddenly it's the whole week. I don't see them. Right. Like, so it feels like they just vanished. And it was weird describing that because that's like how it feels like it feels like everything's fine, but sometimes it's not. And that's, that's the easiest way to describe living in Florida right now is that it's, it's like it was before the pandemic, but sometimes people go missing like much more frequently than they used to. Um, and they might Damn. return the, the expectation is that they'll come back, but you never know, right? Like you never know if it's the last time you're going to see somebody, which is always true, right? Like it's always the, even before the pandemic, you never know if you're going to get to see someone again because no, no, of course, just happened. Yeah, yeah. But now it seems more like it's that's a bigger fear than before. Like you know, because like like this morning, my my first period class, uh, they're my second period class because today was an even day because it's Tuesday. Um, they're in groups because they're about to start a film project, right? So like I have this; these five kids are near each other. They're not in a full group like I used to do, but they're like they're organized where they're near each other in their groups. Right. And it was very quick to notice that one girl was alone 
even though she has a group of five, like she was just the only one there. And I was like, well, that's not good. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's hard to schedule a group project. And luckily all those other kids did end up showing up. They had like a late bus kind of scenario. Cause it was the beginning of the day, but still like when it, when class started, it was like ex- that feeling that I was just describing. It's like, I expected all of them to be here. How could I have known that this one group would be the one group that has nobody show up today? <laughs> and that poor girl was just like alone. I'm just like, What'd you do to your group? <laughs> she, you know, she's a joke back, but it is that, that that's how I feel right now. It's like every day you expect to see everybody you're supposed to see, but you also know that you may not. And then you just have to kind of readjust and move on. And again, hope that it is temporary and that they'll be back the next class or the, or at least maybe in two classes, but also uh, the very real fear that maybe not, maybe not. Well, and I think what I hate the most <laughs> is I'm saying that so nonplussed about it. And that's, I, I think I've gotten to that point where I'm just like, I have to feel this way. It's always to this almost. Yeah. Because I, if I, if I dwell on it too much, it's overwhelming. I just have to be okay with it because this is the world that I currently live in. So no, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking like, wow, okay. <laughs> Holy hell. And, uh, but obviously, yeah, you're sadly being around that more often. You would kind of feel it would sink in, or you can absorb that information slightly uh, more flippantly or easier than I probably could, but damn, still. Yep. Uh, I've always, you know, I'm. it's the benefit of being a very logical person that I often can accept things that I don't want to accept, but my brain says that it's the only possible solutions, and thus you must you must deal with them. And while I don't, like, I don't want to die, and I don't want anyone to die, um, it is a, a real concern that death is always a looming specter, right? Like it's, it's there. Um, so it, it is something that I, I just kind of have learned to accept as a part of the world that we live in, right? Like death is inevitable. I do everything in my power to try to avoid it. Um, <laughs> but it is like, it is always still there. And so, yeah, I just, I hope, uh, I hope listeners, this episode is not going to be this heavy. Um, a but, way to start. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's the world we're living in guys. It's, it's worth acknowledging. I mean, I, to be real, I feel mostly positive despite that. And because I, I just, I want to be positive. I want everything to be okay. And I'm doing my best to try to make the people's lives who I'm in better than when they, they weren't around me. If that makes sense. You know that what I'm saying? Like, to me. I want to be a positive light to all of the kids that I teach. And I want to be a positive life to all of my coworkers that they can look to me and I can be like, Hey, it's going to be okay. Um, I don't know that, but I genuinely want to believe that. And because otherwise it's, it's, it's scary to not think that. So that's where I am. Everybody. But it <laughs> makes my life a lot better. Cloud. Yeah. Let's, and you know what? Part of it is because of the movies they're back. And yes. this movie that we're talking about this week is a great sign that it is back. Uh, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, a bit of a mouthful of a title, Marvel, but thank you anyways. <laughs> uh, a 2021 movie just dropped in theaters this weekend, only in theaters. This is the first yeah. Disney Marvel movie that did not get the same same week release with their, their premium uh, streaming option, which you would pay 30 bucks to have access to the movie forever they didn't do that with shang chi and uh i think it maybe incidentally has helped the black widow scarlett johansson lawsuit because uh-oh mm-hmm. um <laughs> no, we we'll, we'll get to that in a moment but this movie is directed by destin daniel cretton i'm assuming it's cretton maybe it's cretton not 100 percent 
Um, um, I'm going to go for Criton, just, Criton, just to be different. It's written by him, as as well as Dave Callahan and Andrew Lanham. You know how these Marvel movies have multiple writers. It oh, yeah. stars Simu Lee, Aquafina, the oddly the easiest name on this list for me to pronounce is Aquafina. <laughs> uh, I did wonder who was uh, hosting this week, and then I did rub oh, my hands in glee. Well, Matt, get ready for your jaw to drop, sir. Uh, Tony Leng Chiawei, Monger Zhang, Fala Chen, Michelle Yeoh, and Hua Yian. Yeah, buddy, somebody did some Pops. pronunciation checks Damn. before the episode. Somebody's um, written these down. Uh, I, I listened to pronunciation of all of these names if they had them available. Uh, Monger Zhang did not have her first name available, but luckily other people apparently had struggled with the pronunciation. So one article did say how it's supposed to be pronounced. I'm trusting that article to have been accurate. Um, and <laughs> I believe it's Yuan that I screwed up at the end there. Wa- Yuan. Um, but yeah, I'm trying, yeah. folks. I, I did I did my due diligence and looked them up instead of just guessing at the end. Uh, because if you've been listening to the show for a while, you know I struggle with pronunciation of names that are not American. Um, I am a sad example of the American problem. I apologize. <laughs> um, the letterbox synopsis of the movie, because the IMDb synopsis was a little spoiler heavy, uh, Shang-Chi must confront the past he thought he left behind when he is drawn into the web of mysterious Ten Rings organization. This movie is getting most praise. Uh, 92 Rotten Tomato. 92 is really good. But a mm-hmm. 71 Metascore, which is on average that, about the, the good, good end of Marvel. Um, 8.0 IMDb user score and a 3.9 letterbox last I checked. Um, it is only in theaters, as I mentioned. This is a rare occasion where the movie we were reviewing, I have not seen once, but twice prior to the review. Couldn't uh, believe it. Because I liked it enough. that I uh, I went to see it at a critic screening. And then um, my cousin, who I've been seeing movies with for the last couple of weeks, uh, I was on Saturday, I was like, hey, did you want to see this? And he was like, yeah, I kind of did. I'm like, let's go. Let's go do it. I'm in. Um, so we went and watched it again. And I had as much fun with it the second time. And that's important to note because we mentioned, I, I, I teased that maybe Disney messed up by not dropping this on the premium service as well. Uh, not because they didn't make money, but because I think it proved Scarlett Johansson's claim that her box office was hurt because yeah. of the premiums, because not only did Shang-Chi have the highest box office, I think in the pandemic for opening weekend. And I haven't double checked that, but it's gotta be close uh, during the pandemic. But it, it it crushed the Labor Day weekend record yeah. all time, all time pre-pandemic. I think, yeah, it, Halloween the first Rob Zombie Halloween right. held the record at thirty million only for Labor Day weekend. Shang Shang Chi seventy one point four million, so doubled <laughs> the old record during a pandemic. So. Granted, I don't know that Black Widow would have done this number, but the fact that it's not the same release strategy and this movie did that well, and it's a part of the same cinematic universe, I think might help Scarlett Johansson's argument that she would have made more money had they only released it in theaters. And there's one other thing to add to that as well. You know, Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow, people had heard of her. People had seen that character yes. before. Uh, Shang-Chi is a for the... MCU, at least anyway, is a wholly new character for all the audiences to get invested in. So that in itself would also have uh, probably pleased Scarlett while she was sitting back seeing those box office figures rolling. So 
folks, um, if you've listened to the show, we've done a few of the Marvel movies over the, the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. I have been an avid supporter of the MCU. I still am. Um, I have liked a lot of the movies. And honestly, I have been a big fan of a lot of these independent, like smaller story, like isolated movies. I love Ant-Man. Um, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of the Guardians. I like the Doctor Strange movie, although it's not my favorite. I do like it. Um, there, there's only a couple I don't like. And it's the same as everybody else. I don't like Iron Man 2. I don't love Incredible Hulk, although I like it a little more than Iron Man 2 because I at least found some of it to be interesting. Um, and I, I'm not a hater of Thor The Dark World, but I still think it's one of the lesser movies, but I don't hate it. So admittedly, very biased. I'm a big supporter of what they're doing. Um, but with that in mind, and I own all of them because I am a collector and I feel obligated to own them all especially because now I've already started, you know, so now I have to, I can't just have 22. I got to have all of them. Um, very few of them have I seen more than once. Yeah. Uh, there's a couple, but for the most part, I've seen them. And I, I, I watch, I try to watch as many new movies every year as I can. Uh, and not necessarily new to like the world, but new to me. Like I try to watch movies I've never seen before. Something I've been doing since I started Burger Reviews. And so for me to go and see a movie twice within a few days is a big compliment. Um, in my opinion, a few movies have earned that hearts beat loud, blind spotting. Those are movies I've repeated several times since I saw them the first time. And there's a few other movies that I've gone to a few other times. A lot of times independent films that I will teach. I've seen multiple times because I'm showing students. Very rarely do I go right back out to see a movie. Um, and to be fair, nothing else new came out this weekend, but I definitely have tons of movies I could watch. I, had such a blast with this movie. I, I love Simu. Uh, is it Lou? Yeah. Um, love him. I was, I've already been a huge shouter of Aquafina. I, I think she is brilliant. I find her to be very, very funny, but that woman's range is so strong. And I think she, she I was so afraid she was going to get pigeonholed as a comedic only actress. Um, and like you see her at crazy rich Asian. She's like the, you know, the goofy best friend. Um, but the farewell uh, was with Lulu Wang is where you really get to see Aquafina's complete abilities. And she's, she's so talented. She can be very, very funny. She can also be very dramatic. And I think she gets to do that in this movie as well. I'm always excited to see Michelle Yeoh, right? Yep. But let's be real. What this movie does so well is craft a villain that is empathetic and interesting and not just looking to destroy the world for no apparent reason, which is the DC villain problem specifically uh, has been villains who don't really seem more than one dimensional. This is a multifaceted empathetic villain who is so cool and yet so powerful. And uh, Tony uh, Long Chao Wei, amazing actor. I actually didn't even make the connection that I have seen Infernal Affairs and he's so good in that, but it didn't click. That's who it was until after I saw this. Um, but I mean, there's not a bad performance in this movie. I, I found it to be unbelievably entertaining. I love the action sequences. I think some of the best action sequences in the Marvel cinematic universe, um, especially if we go just hand to hand combat, because they aren't shot in an American style, which is a <laughs> no. lot of rapid cuts and editing and shaky cam. Um, and even though a lot of it is CG, uh, Simu Lee is, or Simu Lu, Lee? Ah, I'm going to mess Simu up Simu Lu, I'm going to go for Simu Lu was a stunt 
the coordinator first, from my understanding. So he, he, I think, did a lot of his own stunts, and he he's was clearly a photo act, um, actor, wasn't he? he was yes, a, yeah, I've seen that online. But man, does he own this role? I, I found him very charming, very, very likable. But man, the action stuff, fantastic! I love the fight sequences in this. Um, I, I was a huge fan of kung fu movies as a kid. There's definitely a lot of throwback to those. You see some. Uh, Despite Michelle Yeoh being in this, there's a lot of, uh, there's one fight scene in particular that very much calls to Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Mm-hmm, um, yeah. It just has the whole aesthetic vibe to it, right? Like the look of it, the, uh, it's very nature oriented. There's yeah. cool, like magic effects. And for me, that's all in my wheelhouse. It's all stuff I adore and love. And I just thought it was done so, so well here. Um, I, I had a blast with this movie and I usually what happens to me, the second viewing is that the, the lulls feel longer, right? Like the first time I'm so into the whole movie that the, the lulls I can kind of ignore or get past. And so I'm always worried with the second viewing. Am I going to get bored in the, in the middle stuff that isn't the action that isn't the, you know, the, when we get bogged down with yeah, the story yeah. and I didn't, I still found the stories to be really compelling. I, I like the, the backstory. I like the villain stuff. I like the, um, the relationships that are being kind of put in the f- the forefront. Um, I, I think the CG actually looks really good in this, which has been a criticism for these smaller uh, director movies like um, Black Panther. Amazing movie has some really bad looking CG in it. Right. Yes. Um, and then <laughs> Thor Ragnarok, the opening action sequence where there's all the demons coming after Thor looks terrible. And there's a couple of other parts, but that was the one that always stood out to me. It was like immediately like, wow, this looks bad. I didn't think that at all. I, I thought a lot of the creature stuff in this looks amazing. I, I really like a lot of the design and also the way it looks on screen. I thought it looked really good. I personally had no complaints with this movie. I, I love it. I, I've seen it twice. I'm definitely going to buy it. But again, I, I kind of have to at this point. I, I feel like I have to own them all. Um, but I had a blast with it. I hope, Matt, that you did too. What did you think? Well, let's find out. Um, to jump piggyback off John's intro, my relationship with the films, for those who haven't heard the show, the MCU is, I I like the MCU films, but I never, I always end up going in, enjoying them, and then coming out and kind of just moving on. I never, I never dive, dive delve, sorry, too deep into them or um, get too hung up on the lore or things like that. But I gen- genuinely, generally enjoy almost all of them. There aren't that many, which I think are duds. In fact, there, there aren't really any, that I'd call actually no, there were a couple, but uh, the obvious yeah. ones for me. But yeah. um, so you know, I went in expecting to at least enjoy the film, and I'd you'd have to have been living under a rock to not have heard the hype surrounding this film. Lots of people proclaiming it, it that it's the best MCU film the, of all time, and um, this and the other now. So I kind of gone in with heightened expectations, but as always, I tried to block those out and make my mind up. And um, I came out and you know, I had a good time. I enjoyed this film, JB. I thought it was a good film. Uh, I thought it was a very good film, in fact. Um, I'll get the lulls out there. For me, it kind of, it lulled a little bit in the middle for me. Um, again, I've only seen it once, but again, not, not in a oh god, please get get to the get to the like, get to the fighting or anything silly like that. It just had that lull. I think it's because it had such a bombastic first kind of I don't know yeah. maybe forty five fifty minutes to, or to up to an hour that when it in, inevitably had to slow down to breathe a little bit, you can't yeah. think, well, I want more of that. I want to, I want to find out more about these characters. I want to, I want to see more of Tony Lung, true ways character. I mean, I want to see this guy's, this guy's uh, villain a bit. Like people have said, like Killmonger with a purpose, with a mm-hmm. kind of an empathetic reason for wanting to do what he's doing. And 
can't if you can't, I can't, I can't get it. I'm not going to say uh, what you're doing is wrong, but because he has that power and the way he wields it, uh, a wise man once said, with great power comes great responsibility, and he wasn't <laughs> very responsible with his power. Uh, but yeah, Simu Lu was great. His chemistry with Aquafina was fabulous. And like you, I think Aquafina is, I think she's an absolute gem. I think she's so good. And the the range that she gets, uh, that she's been able to show, has been has been wonderful because it could have been so easy to be that one trick pony to yep. be the, the kind of court gesture in the background. But I'm so glad to see that she's taking different roles and she gets to do that in the MCU here in, in, in yes. Shang-Chi. She gets to be the, the comic relief, but also has an arc as a character, which is, yep. um, which I guess some may like, some may not. I thought it was pretty good. Um, I also, along a tongue enough characters, I think it's worth shouting out that, uh, Manga Zhang, um, Zhu yep. Zhilang, she was very good as well. I think, like I said, everyone was good. There's no point. Yeah. I could list everybody off here and say, "Hey, look, this person was good. This person was good." Um, there wasn't really anything I, I I didn't like. I think that the opening, the scene that you're talking about, the kind of crouching tiger s scene. I thought that was, I thought it was stunning. I thought the music yeah. in that was great. The visuals, the the sort of like the dreamy aesthetic of it just worked. And immediately, I, I was sucked in. I was like, right. This is actually going to be different, isn't it? This isn't going to be your stock MCU film, and I don't mean that in a negative way. But you can kind of sometimes you can watch an MCU film and be very much in the knowledge that I'm watching a film in the MCU. I didn't really get that in this. There's a couple of moments, and I don't mean any Easter eggs. I just mean there's a couple of moments, certainly towards the end, and I was like, right, this is this is kind of veered more into classic MCU territory. But mm. there were some great, but in that that particular scene you're referencing. I thought that was fabulous. I thought that was great. There's a couple. There's a sequence on a bus, which is great. Um, oh, I love that. So, a lot of the action scenes. So, in terms of action, I think it was top blow, top heavy with action in the first hour and a half. Sorry, the first hour or so. I think I preferred that uh, action more than what we got later on in the film. But I think you know, for what this film had the potential to do, and that was you know the representation. Of of Asian culture, a culture which hasn't been you know really well, well represented whatsoever at all, uh, other than Benedict Wong in the MCU for the most part, um, yep. we got we got that and wasn't and it didn't feel it didn't feel like lip service, so it didn't feel fake or pandering, whatever buzzword you want to add. It felt genuine. The action felt great, you know, and like you said, they they had the Asian influences all across in terms of the styles of action as well, and it felt right. And a lot of the a lot of my enjoyment from this film came from the fact that I didn't, I just wasn't sitting there thinking, yes, this is really tying in with the MCU. Yes, this feels like a Marvel film. It felt like an origin story for a damn good character. Mm-hmm. Snake Eyes, take note. Um, and I was and I was here for it. And the fact, however, that it ties into such a rich, uh, vibrant world as the MCU is, is actually to me just a bonus. To know we're going to see more of um, Shang Chi. Um, we're yeah. going to see more of the character uh, expand and develop. How how is this character going to interact with other characters in you know in the MCU? It's exciting, man. But I wanted to take this at face value as a standalone film, and as a standalone film, I thought it was very successful, man. And the box office has yep. proven that. Yeah, and that's you know I am I'm not familiar with uh, the Shang Chi comics at all. Like I've not no, read no, them. I'm kind of intrigued now to go and, and dive in. And it was, I did I don't, I never really was aware of them. Um, and I don't know if that's like my comic book shop's fault in the past that I never, it wasn't on display. I feel like 
had I seen the covers, I would have read them. Like I am a person, I have dragons tattooed on my legs because of my love of Bruce Lee. Like I grew up with a picture of Bruce Lee on my wall instead of like where other people might've had like, Jesus, I had Bruce Lee. Like that's not that I worshiped him, but that was, he was my hero. And, um, you know, cause I was a martial artist. I, or at least yep. I wanted to be. And so Bruce was like my go-to guy. So had I known this comic existed, I can't imagine I wouldn't have latched onto it, but I was completely unaware of its existence. Um, and that's something that I, I'm definitely going to try. I, I don't read a lot now, but I'm going to maybe try to like check out a couple of graphic novels from the library or something and give them a, give them a read. Um, I did get a free one through my, uh, the company for seeing the movie at, at the Regal theater, which full disclosure, part of my motivation for the second viewing uh, was that my local theater does like promotions. And if you saw, if you see black widow, uh, Shang-Chi and Eternals at their theater, you do get like extra points for the rewards and Disney nice. rewards. But I wanted to see it a second time. So I was okay with seeing it a second time, but I did get uh, just to prove that too. So I had a lot of these Disney insider points. I had like 5,000 points um, that I've saved up over the years from buying the Marvel movies and the other Disney movies, uh, star Wars, all that you get reward points for. And so I, I was on there like browsing the, uh, what I could redeem all these points for. And they have like Blu-rays and stuff, but the irony is a lot of the Blu-rays I'd already purchased. So like, I don't need them again. Um, but, uh, they had four different pop vinyls from Shang-Chi and I, they were like 750 points each. Um, I was like, cool. I, I collect the pops. I may not have spent the the money on them because I'm trying not to buy as many pops because I'm running out of room, but I was like, I have all these reward points. Why not? So I, I got all four of the pops coming to me uh, and I still have points left over. So thanks Disney inside movie insiders or whatever you're called. Win win. Yep. So I got bonus stuff uh, all day long from, from seeing movies uh, in the big screen. And then uh, also cause I buy them on Blu-ray, but is there anything this man can't do? Um, well, you could probably say the same about the MCU. One of the things I actually wanted to chuck in now is um, what this film does do. Um, sorry to take you back there. Is that who there was the worry about Shang-Chi? How is it going to do? Are people going to go and watch it? Some of that, a lot of that was fueled by the, um, the on the online idiot commentators, mostly on YouTube. Um, but it was that fear, you know, it's a new character. It's an, you know, is it going to do well? Is it going to, uh, yeah. Is it going to flop in terms of making its money back? We're in a pandemic. How is that going to affect it? Then we obviously saw what happened to Black Widow, but you know there are circumstances to that, as we all know. Comes out, does a hell of a job, the make it, making the money, but feeling different as well. What it does do, it opens a door now. If in this post in game world we live in, you know, we can get a film like Shang Chi, which was to me, to me, I wouldn't say I don't think I could stretch to say radically different than the rest of the MCU, but it feels different enough to me to make me confident yeah. that we're going to get different films coming up. What have we got next? Eternals, Chloe Zhao. You know that's going to feel, that's not going to feel like your typical MCU film. Nope. Then we've got obviously Doctor, uh, Spider-Man, sorry, No Way Home. We've also got things like Nia DaCosta's The Marvels coming as well. Yep. Nia DaCosta, we covered Candyman last week, both very much enjoyed that. Some of the directors they've got coming on board, some of the characters they're bringing in, uh, and Shang-Chi has shown that, you know, all you need, not, well, as flippant, all you need is a good story. Having a good story is key. And if the characters are lovable like they are in this film, you go, you've got yourself onto a winning formula. Now, I'm now slightly more 
anticipating the uh, um i can't keep i can't call it the eternals it's not it's just eternals i'm anticipating that now for a new voice in the mcu just happens mm-hmm. to be an academy award-winning director how that ensemble is going to work new characters i think maybe maybe my uh gripes of the mcu is i just wanted something new you know you had the phase one two and three was very much centered around you know those classic characters which have now entered the pop culture lexicon now we're getting mm-hmm. new characters or, or the ones who are leading the way your spider-man to dr strange and thor aren't maybe the ones you'd think about 15 years ago but they're, they're now our lead but shang she's up there now with them who's going to break out of eternals it's it's exciting times man and i'm hoping it leads the way for for in personally for a kind of a new vibe within the mcu where each film kind of feels a little bit different you'll get some like yeah. spider-man which will feel like your marvel film that isn't a bad thing i don't ever mean that in a bad way but man i'm more excited now for eternals for the marvel stuff like that well and i think with the hollywood model of film releases right now are they want built-in audiences right like they want yeah. ips that people know and for the first several Marvel movies, they were even apprehensive with Iron Man because Iron Man doesn't yeah. have that big of a fan following prior to the films. Um, by comparison to like Spider-Man or Batman, which are these iconic heroes. Um, but I think Marvel as a brand has become so beloved that as long as there is the MCU stamp on a movie, I think Shang-Chi proves people will take a chance on that brand. So it's almost, you know... Uh, it's still an IP situation, but I think we're going to get to see more of these like weird isolated things. And I, I think we have to give first credit to James Gunn who did it with, with uh, guardians. Cause yeah. no one expected guardians to do what guardians did and for them to become some of the most beloved films in the, the MCU period by a lot of people. Um, I think that's what you're, you know, I think Feige has this in, in mind. Now he knows that he, he he's established credibility enough with the overall uh pantheon of films that people will trust the marvel stamp on something as it will mostly be good right yeah. like, yes there's been some duds but very very few and, and obviously very early movies, on as well right yes to be completely fair with that too and um and while there's still some of the formula here i think we are going to get to see more of that branching out as they are taking risks, I think they're smart enough to know that you can't just keep doing the exact same thing and getting the consistent results. You have to make a little bit of change, but it, I don't think we're going to see anything super dramatic change, but I do think we're going to get to see characters that maybe you're less familiar with getting to shine like Shang-Chi, hopefully the Eternals. Um, I, you know, we also obviously get the Disney plus stuff. I'm kind of curious. Uh, yeah. I have some stuff we'll talk about in spoilers, um, later in our bonus episode, because I have some questions that I think will be fun to talk about. Um, but last thing, and without talking about the content, I, I don't know what's happening, but if you are at a Marvel movie and the credits start to roll and you <laughs> get up and leave, what are you doing? What are you doing? Like, there's no way you don't know. So that either makes me wonder two things. Either somehow you've been living under a rock and don't know that you must sit through the credits to get the two extra scenes or have stingers become like unnecessary. Are they the, are they the parsley on our dish that we don't actually need to eat, but they're just there. And so people are okay with just getting out of there. How many people well, uh, firstly, was it was your cinema full? Because mine pretty much was, or as much as it could be. Um, Secondly, my, how many, what percentage left early? My screening was pretty full. 
And uh, when I went as a critic, uh, there was a half critics and then the rest of the room was normal. Like, uh, like they, I don't know how they got their tickets, but they had to like get tickets from somewhere and it was pretty full. Um, I would say a good portion were gone before the final like scene, right? Like, so there's two post credit scenes without talking about what they are. Um, I would say most of the room was gone minus a few diehards. The second screening, I'm pretty sure it was my row and the row in front of me. And then everybody else was gone when I got up to leave at the end of the the movie. So I don't know when they left. I feel like they probably stayed through the first scene because the credits have like the, the more fancy title cards is before it goes to the black screen. Yeah. I I think people usually will sit through that, but then they get up and left and I'm just like, you guys, you, you can Google and find out if there's a post credit scene. But you want to see the big screen. Well, you don't. Have to, I'm not even saying find out what it is, but find out if it's worth waiting or not, right? Like it's not because I do that with a lot of movies now, where I will. Um, Aaron Hall would like. To I will. Sorry for the Alexa. <laughs> um, I will stay uh, I, before I leave a movie because Marvel has started this where other movies are doing stingers now, right? So I will Google. Does this have a post credit scene? I don't want to know what it is. I just want to know should I sit here through all the credits or not. Um, and uh, no offense to the people who I know, like there are some people who will watch the credits. I just, I usually have to go to the bathroom at the end of a movie. So I'm ready to like run out of there. Um, but if there is a scene, I will wait, even if I have to go really bad, like I will hold it because I want to see the scene. Um, especially because a lot of them either give more information to something or they're setting up something that we know is coming, especially with the MCU. Right. So for me, they're, they're not skippable the first time. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I don't know, guys. What's the deal? We'd love to hear. I guess why if yeah, you man. don't stay for the credits, the post credits. Why? What is your reason? Do you do you not care about them? Do you not know it's a thing? Like Maybe I'd love to want to get out of the car park early. Yeah, I don't feel like any theater I've been to is busy enough for that concern. <laughs> I think um, for me, I think literally ninety five percent of the audience, and that's I know that's an odd thing to say, but okay, almost all of the audience stayed behind uh, after the film. Maybe. Uh, I, I obviously wasn't counting everyone, but I saw maybe six, seven people leave. Um, so, may, may, but maybe they just thought I can Google this afterwards. Nothing's that important where I can't just Google it. I've seen the main attraction now, but uh, for the most vast, vast majority, but it's always been like every MCU film I see, and it, it just comic book films in general now. Any it or any kind of IP film, like you said. They've always got a stick. Star Wars seems to be the only one that hasn't fallen prey to that yet. But then you get the stinger at the end of Mando season two. You get two, in fact. I know you do get one, just one. Um, so, you know, the, even Lucasfilm have shown they're not infallible to it, but got to stay behind. But it would be interesting to know why, you know, if because they are so, in, you know, it's part of the fabric. Now you go to watch a Marvel film, you know, you're getting a stinger. It's, you're getting two, in fact, and it's, it's going to set up. Um, something to do with the film we've just seen and potentially something to do with the film you haven't just seen. So it's well worth staying, but if not, it would be nice to know why. However, I did enjoy Shang-Chi. I've only seen it once, so. Yep, uh, but well, that's it. That's our review for Shang-Chi. Um, <laughs> we'd love to hear your thoughts. Let us know. Uh, we, we both liked it. We're both up on it. We recommend you check it out. Yeah. That's this well, that's for this segment. Wow, I really stumbled yeah. on that one. We're going to get into chuffed headlines. Uh, Matt, what headline grabbed your attention this week uh, from movie or pop culture news? Oh, man. Venice Film Festival, one of the most prestigious in the world, has uh, is still ongoing. Uh, and some of the most anticipated films of the year have been playing. Spencer, last night in Soho, Halloween Kills 
has debuted there. Um, the Lost Daughter, a lot of films, Card Counter. But there's a little film called Dune uh, had its world premiere at Venice. Uh, and it's, it had a it's Dune? Dune, yep. Dune. Hmm, Dune. I've not heard of, heard of this. Uh, is this, uh, is this uh, anticipated? I don't know, but I think the bit, oh, far as I'm aware, you can probably get away with watching it on a, on your phone on an airplane. You don't need to watch uh, okay. it. Okay, it's one of those movies. It's one of those, kind of, yeah, one of those riff-raff type films. But um, it had a, once a film had, had its premiere, it had a six-minute standing ovation, which I always think must be, it's very tedious after two or three minutes, because <laughs> please, please just end this. But um, six-minute standing ovation, largely positive uh reviews this is coming from screen rant stephen colbert again not that stephen colbert um largely positive reviews i think it stands at 85 percent on rt currently with a half decent handful of re- uh, re- reviews but the headline got me because it's, it simply said why dune was always destined to be a divisive movie and the reason i picked this is for the reason i've just mentioned as well largely positive reviews a foolishly long standing ovation but uh, that is the norm for film festivals 85 percent on rt that doesn't sound very divisive to me but it the article dives into kind of actually things that we've said before but um the reason why people the stephen colbert thinks is going to be divisive is because of di- the director partly uh, his comments on uh streaming versus the theatrical experience plus potentially alienating people but because of the the source material, we're saying that you know there's the, the, the negative reviews that this film has gotten is I'm again I'm not going to say what they are. If you want to know them, go and find them yourself. But he says a lot of the negative reviews kind of branch from the things that you'd expect to be negative reviews for a lot of people. Uh, so he's saying using that as his way of calling it divisive. Uh, but then he's also saying you know like Arrival, Blade Runner twenty forty nine. The focus was on very tonal focus, music and cinematography above or to tell the story rather than kind of wordy exposition and things or even humour. Um, and that's what sunk those films. This is what the uh, author of this article says, saying that Frank Herbert's uh, word, uh, world is unfilmable. But also, actually, the, the interesting thing is saying that are we now so used to the broad appeal and the... What I'm only assuming is what he's saying, more mainstream, popcorn-friendly fare that you get from the MCU and Star Wars. He's basically saying this film is going to be divisive because it isn't the MCU and it isn't Star Wars. It isn't that kind of swashbuckling adventure where the good guy's probably going to win. You're going to have a good laugh along the way. There might be some romance. You're going to have those cool action moments and those moments which stick with you forever. Just saying that I, I found it very interesting that the author basically thinks that the film's going to be divisive because it isn't in the MCU or it isn't a Star War, uh, despite the fact that, for the most part, people are saying it's great. And some people are even saying this is a milestone in cinematic history. Uh, again, whether that's hyperbole, we've only got a month to find out. But do you yeah. think that the film, we, we both have said, We've both said that this film isn't going to smash the doors off the box office, or we're 99.9% sure it's not going to, but we both believe it's going to be good. Um, what do you think about the comments that this film will be divisive or potentially won't succeed because it isn't, it doesn't have the IP draw of the MCU or Star Wars? I, I don't know if that's why it'll be divisive. Um, I do think, I think the nature of what I've always heard about Dune is that it isn't a, it's not a sci-fi for everybody, right? Like it's, it's yeah. very dense and, and world built 
type premise that I think will not work for everybody. And sci-fi doesn't work for everybody anyways, right? Like sci-fi has always been kind of a split genre. Star Wars broke past it. But Star Wars is kind of fantasy sci-fi, right? Like it, it yeah, kind of hard sci-fi isn't for everyone, right? And Dune feels a little more hard sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Villeneuve has been very hard sci-fi between Arrival, Blade Runner twenty forty nine, and now this. And even I think if you look at Enemy, I think those are very kind of hard, dense sci-fi or sci-fi horror. Um, and I love his movies. That's I'm so pumped for this because of that. Now I have not watched Lynch's Dune. I have read no books of Dune, so I have no attachment to this whatsoever. I have a lot of attachment to the character, uh, sorry, the actors in this movie. Like, I love yep. Oscar Isaac. I have, Zende- Zendaya has proven time and time again that she's just a master, like, when it comes to the craft of acting, because she is different in every role I've seen her in. Like, I mean, her, her version of MJ is very different than any MJ we've ever had in yeah. the Spider-Man universe. But if you compare that character to, like, her greatest showman performance, right? completely different roles and she's great in both. So I'm really pumped for that. Um, I would say based on the trailers that Momoa has been typecast as the guy, like the kind of party body guy, you know, Mm -hmm. like I, I fight and I also have fun, but I like Momoa in that role. I think he's really good in that that role. Right. And Chalamet. um, I, I mean the dude, the dude's good. Like that's it. And, I, I liked seeing him in something more like this. I haven't seen a few of his more uh, genre piece movies. I've I've mostly seen him in the indie drama, A twenty four stuff. Um, I didn't watch the what's the the king or whatever the name of the I don't remember what that. But he's on a Netflix movie with where he's a king or something. I haven't seen that. Oh, um, I can't think what you called now yet. It's the word king is in it. I don't remember what it is, but I haven't watched that. That feels more of like a genre piece kind of a movie. Um, but I, I've been impressed with everything Chalamet has done. I think he's a really good actor. So I'm, I'm excited to see him in a sci-fi role like this, but Villeneuve and his visuals in sci-fi have been so good, but look how many people don't love Arrival. I don't understand that. I think that movie's a masterpiece, but a lot of people don't like that movie or they find it slow or boring because mm-hmm. it's hard sci-fi. It's not rushing through. It's not looking to be an action adventure. I movie. love hard sci-fi, but that film didn't click for me. And as I've said before, I've had many emails telling me, you just didn't get it. I did get it. It just didn't work for me. Maybe, maybe I'll rewatch it again one day with, with new eyes. But the first time I saw it, it, I thought it was good. The thing is, I've always thought Arrival was a good film. I just, yeah. it, I just never, it never grabbed me like seeming like everybody else did. But I've always thought it's a good film. Yeah. And again, we, we do, I think as a, as a culture, uh, collective culture too, not an American culture. I think this is a world problem. Mm-hmm. We have to be less precious about what we like and understand that it's okay yes. that other people do and don't like things. Like sometimes it's hard for us to process why something doesn't work for someone or why something does work for someone. Tribalism as well, almost. Sometimes. Yeah, but we have to be okay with it. Like, cause that's, that's the beauty of art is that it's for someone and it may not be for you. I hope Dune works for me. And if I don't like it, I will say I don't like it. And I will complain about the things I don't like. But at the end of the day, even when I make jokes about like, oh, I can't believe people like this. I mostly am okay with other people liking it, even if I don't, you know, and I'm, I'm becoming more okay with it because I feel like we need to, I think we have to let some of this, we're, we're too precious with things that shouldn't be precious. Like it's, you can like this and other people cannot like this and it does not diminish the thing that you like yep it's still there it's still there for you to like so um i i am a big fan of a film critic uh 
David Ehrlich. I don't, I don't agree with him <laughs> a lot, yeah. but I think he's a terrific writer and Absolutely. his ability to put things to words that I just, I wish I could articulate my thoughts as quickly as he seems to be able to. Um, and not and like, I'm not saying he rushes his writing, but like he sees the movie once and is able to come up with these amazing analogies and allegories. And I'm just like, it's good. I like it. So <laughs> he's got um, something, hasn't he? Again, I don't always agree yeah. with him. Sometimes I find him to be a bit of a goon, but and, you can't deny he's a hell of a writer. Yes. And, and he, he seems to be on the negative side of, of the dune discourse <laughs> right now. Um, and you you pointed out that you feel like he maybe doesn't like Villeneuve's work as a collective, which mm-hmm. he definitely takes some shots at, at Villeneuve in his introduction to his review. Um, I didn't go too deep into the review because I didn't know what he would say, and I don't want to know yes, much cool. about the movie. Um, but he did he did kind of take some digs at like um, how Villeneuve's been kind of like you can't watch this on your phone. He's mad about the Warner Brothers same day release. Uh, and a lot of the filmmakers are because they were not asked. They were told that their movies were going to be dropped on the, to HBO max, uh, unceremoniously. Um, what, uh, they were told when we were told, which is not yeah. usually how something like that would go down well, and handling, but uh, Ehrlich seems to maybe like he takes a few shots at Villeneuve's attitude about that. And there, there's a lot of directors who are having this very dismissive approach to like where their art is shown. Um, <laughs> Hello, Patty Jenkins. Yep, Jenkins Nolan did it last year with Tenet. Um, and I get it. I, I get there is something prestigious about having your movie at a on a big screen by comparison to it just being dropped, right? Like mm-hmm. ubiquitously. Uh, it becomes more of an event at an opening, right? Where it's not like if it's suddenly on Netflix, it's just like, oh, it's just a thing um, that people can watch versus like this thing you have to go to and actively be engaged in. And you and I, we've talked at probably way too much about our love of going to the movies on this podcast, but um, yeah, I, I do think that maybe again, we just, people are going to consume media however they're able to consume it, and for some, I I do think Dune looks like a theatrical type of movie, and while I have mm-hmm. HBO Max, um, I will definitely go to the, the theater unless I can't for some reason, but my plan is to go see it on the big screen, and if I really like it, though, I'll probably watch it on HBO Max that weekend a second yeah. time because it's available to me, you know? Um, what a convenience. So yeah. yeah. But I do, I will see it first on the big screen. But. Yeah. No, I just thought it was an interesting uh, oh, yeah. idea that they put, because we've, we've, all, we've all said um, ad nauseum now the reasons why we think it will be so well received, but it yeah. probably will suffer a... A, a blow at the box office, but it was interesting to see the f- kind of this guy say, "Well, you know, it's, it's, you know, people, people people just want to go to the cinema now to see these big films, but they want it to be a certain star. They want it to be an MCU film, a Star War, a Suicide Squad. Not, I can't say Suicide Squad because that bombed, but um, they want it to be something that Dune isn't going to be. But there's also a lot of us out there who want to go and see a damn good film and also have it be like unreal in scope and everything. I'm hearing about Dune is um." Pretty much from that 10 minutes I saw at the Warner Brothers event a couple of months ago, it's kind of lining up with that in terms of the scale, the scope and the ambition. So, again, five weeks, I think, to go. And uh, hopefully, hopefully we like it. Well, my headline, uh, which we can spend a lot less time on, um, <laughs> because it was, I went something simple. It was more of a fun thing. I've been teaching Back to the Future uh, for the last couple of weeks Woo-hoo. with my, my first year kids. And... Um, one of them noted 
that, hey, this reminds me of Rick and Morty. And I'm like, uh, this guy's name is Doc Brown and Marty. So, yeah, good call. <laughs> uh, Dan Harmon, definitely. I, I've always kind of assumed that there was an obvious uh, – and Dan Harmon's in the back, back in Time documentary talking about Back to the Future. Like, he's a, he's a fan. Like, many people who grew up in the 80s, we love Back to the Future. Yeah. Rick and Morty clearly inspired by that. Um, there's a live action, like little mini shorts that they're doing for Adult Swim of Rick and Morty, and Christopher Lloyd is playing Rick. So it got a lot of internet buzz. Everyone was super excited, super pumped. One, because Lloyd's been saying he'll do another Back to the Future. Um, mm-hmm. And unlike almost any other IP in the world, uh, Gale and Zemeckis own the rights to it, and they yeah. are the only ones who can say yes to a, a fourth movie. And so, for the most part, it's never going to happen. Um, so this might be the closest thing we get to seeing Lloyd reprise a Doc Brown, maybe a little angrier Doc Brown, but nevertheless a Doc <laughs> Brown uh, parable. Um, and uh, Jaden, um, I forgot what his name was before, but now it's Jaden Martell. Uh, Jaden uh, Lieber or Lieber. Huh? Yes, that's what it was. And then yeah. he's now changed it uh, through the Screen Actors Guild, I assume. But he was, yep. and people know him from It. Um, he's Billy in It, uh, part one and two. And then he was in... Um, uh, St. Vincent with, with um, Bill Murray, Bill which Murray, is one of yeah. my f- uh, favorite roles. Um, so he's playing Morty and there's, uh, I've seen two of them. One where it's just like kind of them coming out of a portal, but then there's one with like a pickle Rick reference. I am not a big Rick and Morty fan. I'm not, not a fan. I just haven't really dove into it. Um, I've watched a couple of episodes. I do think it's funny. I just haven't decided to embrace it. Um, and then uh, we were talking a little bit ago about fan bases maybe being a little bit uh, toxic. The Rick and Morty fan base went a real toxic a few years ago, and that that didn't make me want to jump into that group. Um, I don't know if they've gotten better. Maybe. I haven't heard as much lately, so maybe they've chilled out a little bit or they've diversified or something, but... Uh, yeah, have you seen this? Are you a fan of Rick and Morty or any of that? Never seen it, dude. I've never... I've, it's never appealed to me. Um, I have seen scenes from Rick and Morty, uh, and it's not something I actively avoid, but you've, John's known me for, what, f- four years maybe now, I don't know, and he knows my yeah. uh, penchant for avoiding TV, and it's yes. not from a place of hatred, it's just that I just rather sit and watch a film of an evening rather than watch TV. But then I, when I watch TV shows or streaming series, I get so into them, I think, what have I been wasting my life on films for? But um, with Rick and Morty, it's never really, I know a lot of my friends really, really dig it, but it's never, it's, I, I watch this, however, but it's never... Uh, appeal to me and again yeah some of the elements i've heard about what the devotees are uh, the actions they did a few years ago i don't know if they're still the same now but that put me off a bit as well so that can have an adverse effect but uh, i'm imagine i can't blame the, sh- the showrunners and showwriters of that but um it's never really appealed to me dude i don't know i don't know it could be the best thing I'm, i've i've never seen but yeah i, don't know. I watch this like you say simply because you know it's christopher lloyd isn't it so i'm, I'm all over that but no, I, I, if if somebody out there can say you've got to watch Rick and Morty or at least watch these episodes, you'll you'll love it. Then I will happily do it. But no, it's never really been one which has kind of jumped out at me. And I'm with you. Uh, I also, but uh, you know, it's it was so in my feed this week. Uh, I felt like it was a worthy headline to talk about. So if you're a big fan of Rick and Morty, no offense to you. I've heard great things. I have many friends who love it. I just haven't mm-hmm. invested in Matt same. And we're. I'm a little more open to TV than you, I think, which is weird because it seems like we are definitely in the minority. I think a lot more people are, are 
looking for that longevity that TV offers. That we're, we're very much sample size. Uh, we like, you know, we watched it. Now we can go to the next thing. Give us a kind of eight season, eight episode season or whatever, a mini, mini series. Yeah. And I mean, like, yes. oh, I blasted through devs a couple of months ago. Absolutely loved devs. And that is hard sci-fi, which was not for everyone. But I loved it. And it, after watching that, I was thinking, why don't I watch more? And I know that the, um, I know that I've mentioned it. You've mentioned it. We all know the gap between TV streaming and film is non-existent pretty much now in terms of quality and the talent it attracts. Yes. You know, it's completely interwoven with each other. Um, I think it is just that it's, it, it's just a block in my mind. I want to watch stranger things, but I know that I've got to commit to at least what four seasons of it. Uh, three three with the fourth on the way. That's right. Three seasons, about 60 episodes. And then I think, Oh, if I do that, I might miss out on watching, you know, a couple of weeks worth of films. And then I want to watch it's very, very strange place to be in, but I love the idea of streaming and I really want to start watching more. I just need to get past the, um, I need to get past the mental block, but uh, everything I've seen recently has been <laughs> awesome. Bloody awesome. Well, and that leads us. I think that's a really good segue into media consumption. This Thank is the you, movies, sir. TV, video games, music, podcasts, etc., that we use to pass the time between episodes. So Matt, what have you been consuming since the last time we recorded? Uh, for the most part this week, I've been consuming the slow motion red carpet moment between Oscar Isaac and Jessica Chastain. Uh, uh, yes, a lot Festival. of that. Damn. Very... I think, yeah. You know, if, if Oscar Isaac couldn't get any more smoldering and Jessica Chastain any more beautiful, then damn, this just shows it. Whatever scenes from a marriage, we're talking TV. Suddenly I'm quite interested in watching that just based on that slow motion video. It's taken the internet by storm and it was, it was steamy, but like that. Um, so I've been watching that on repeat, trying to get some kind <laughs> of uh, tips from Oscar, Moon Knight, the Lothario, Poe Dameron, Isaac, Lewin Le- Davis, which is one of the films I watched. Inside Lewin Davis, I've seen it before, but um, I recently picked it up on Blu-ray, and uh, I was what I think Saturday, maybe I sat down and watched it again in the evening. I love that film, and I know how much you enjoy that film, don't you? Yeah. Big, yeah, big fan of that movie. Dig that. There's, there's a poster out there if you want it somewhere. We'd have to mm-hmm. dig that one out again. Oh, it's um, on my wall in my it? classroom. Exactly. <laughs> JB's got himself on his class in his class and wall, but he deserves it. Um, we'll put that on the socials again soon. I'll find that again. Uh, um, your first reform poster is also on my wall. Just to yes. be clear. <laughs> I also bought that as well. I'm waiting for that to turn up. I haven't. Uh, a lot of these films I haven't had. I've just watched them on the streaming services, and now I've decided. Well, I can't watch First Reformed on streaming anymore because it's been taken off. So. But let me just so I'm now, but my Blu-ray or physical collection has grown like, I'm, I'm in a huge way since I've had a job. <laughs> People say physical media is dead. No, it's definitely not. I'm keeping it alive because Same. I now have the opportunity to turn around and think, you know, I want to watch Inside Lewin Davis. Uh, I, I don't know if it's on Prime. It may, I don't think it was, but um, even if it isn't, I can now go and watch it. Really like Inside Lewin Davis. I think Oscar Isaac is fantastic in that. Um, I watched Super 8 again. The J.J. Abrams uh, film produced by Steven Spielberg and Amblin. Again, I really like Super 8. It's a, a, a film which I haven't seen for so long. But because I bought it, I can go and put it on and watch it again and remind myself that I really like it. Uh, I watched Attack the Block again. Uh, John Boyega, Joe Cornish, uh, Jodie Whittaker film. Uh, very good. The film that kind of the spring gave Boyega the springboard for Star Wars and for everything else he's gone on to do. Such a good movie. Attack the Block is just this grimy slice of British urban life, but it's heightened, but still a lot of fun. Um, We're getting a sequel. 
we are getting the yes we are Boyega and Corners are back on board which is exciting um, I just hope it keeps that kind of low budget vibe that the original has um, mm-hmm. I feel that might go quite big uh, today I watched Raiders of the Lost Ark whilst working from home you can't beat a bit of indie uh, especially Raiders of the Lost Ark I'm I think Raiders is the best indie film, and then I think The Last Crusade is, and then I think Temple of Doom and King of the Crystal Skull, because um, Temple of Doom is odd. I mean, I remember reading like some retrospective reviews and people just being really weirded out by the fact that it opens up with a dance scene, uh, like a big old dance number in the Temple of Doom. But Raiders of the Lost Ark is a classic, classic film, and every time I watch it, there's so many moments where I'm just locked in such as so many fantastic action adventure moments in that film how can you not love raiders of the lost ark uh, so good. Uh, i've had olivia here with me my daughter so i've had to watch had to watch it's moved on from frozen frozen is still a thing but now it's all about descendants the uh, disney i think the disney channel original films which look like they're filmed like on a on a on a stage somewhere the production value is zero on those films and it's really off-putting for a 30 something like me watching it but my five-year-old is enraptured by mal and all the other people in those films he loves them so descendants one two and three i've had to violently endure um and in terms of podcasts i've listened to the rotten tomatoes is wrong about podcast where they try to find the kind of pros and uh positives in iron man three and you know they brought up some good points. Some of them obviously are now in retro, in retrospect, in hindsight, because we've Iron Man, Iron Man three ties into certain other films we've watched some maybe recently uh, in little ways. So it kind of you know makes that film better on rewatch. But Iron Man three is still better than Iron Man two, but I'm still not the biggest biggest fan of it. Um, other than that, I haven't watched any. I haven't watched any television. I still haven't watched What If. I still haven't watched Loki. Uh, I will get round to it. I am trying to think. Did I watch any TV? No, I've been watching the soccer. That's about it. So, Ugh. I know. Sorry, JB. England are doing well. Eight goals in two games. We're we're, we're doing okay. Uh, fighting back against the racists. Um, so mine's been a mixed bag of pretty much Blu-ray purchases, ch- children's viewing, and a classic as well. So that's me so- for this week. What about yourself, my friend? Um. Uh, blank check podcast. Uh, I listened to the last of the Riddick, uh, m- which is the Riddick episode um, commentary. Uh, they've now covered all three of the films. Um, I I do not love the third one as much as I think <laughs> they did, but um, they also didn't love it. I think they just they, it it's better. Chronicles goes a little too crazy and maybe into like hard fantasy. Um, it's like fantasy sci fi, like trying to build out like this world, and it's not great. But I still always enjoyed it for some reason. Um, but Riddick was fine. But uh, their their main episode was Escape from New York with, uh, I think, Catherine Hahn is the film critic who joins them. And mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of her when she's on the show um, and in general. But, I mean, when she's on the show is when I see I feel like I'm most aware of her. But uh, Escape from New York, a movie you and I watched last year during the pandemic for the first yep. time each. We had never seen it before. Uh, we were not huge fans. And we, I think it was mostly because we went in expecting this to be like a crazy action movie. Mm-hmm. And it was not really a great action movie. Like it's not a bad movie, but it's not an action movie. Like we were oh, really yeah. anticipating this, you know, over the top action. And it wasn't that we were anticipating uh, the pandemic to be over not long after watching that film. Yes. Also true. Um, um, so, uh, but yeah, so it was fun to listen to them talk, kind of talk about it. And also they do point out that it's not really the action film that people were thinking, especially when you think of it on the same level as for Kurt Russell, Escape from New York is his Terminator is Stallone's Rambo is 
uh, Bruce Willis's, you know, Die Hard, it's nowhere near the same type of movie that we just listed, you know, like, but it's thought of as that type of character. Um, so we went in with maybe unrealistic expectations for what the movie was trying to do. Uh, we sh- probably should have known because Carpenter doesn't really do normal action, like Not Big Trouble is like no. his most action. And They Live is kind of action, but even that, the action is much more subdued. Mm-hmm. Um, except for like the big scene. But um, anywho, uh, I've been working through the Alex Ross Perry list from the Halloween episode of Blank Check. Nice. Um, he, he gave a list of horror movies. I have one left uh, after this week. I still have to watch Stepford Wives, and that's only because my copy has not arrived yet. It's delayed. I have until... The, their, Amazon's telling me I have until the 9th, and if I don't have it yet, that I will get a refund or I can order another copy. So I'm hoping it shows up because it's really hard to watch anywhere else. Um, but I've watched The Legacy, uh, Demon Seed, Let's Scare Jessica to Death, Audrey Rose, and the Mephisto Waltz. Wow. That is a diverse selection. Right. I did not like Audrey Rose. (laughs) What part didn't you like, sir? Mostly the child acting. Um, (laughs) It's also, it's a weird, like, structure, because the movie, like, it's not really a traditional horror film Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. Like, the most, the idea of the story is horrifying, more so than anything in the movie. Like there's no real tension or suspense. Um, it's weird. And there's some weird moments that I think qualify in the genre, but it's definitely, it feels more of a melodrama than a horror. Yeah. Um, and I didn't, I didn't enjoy most of that. Uh, I didn't let's scare Jessica to death is a little too like B movie for my taste. Like it feels mm-hmm. really like generic on a lot of the surface. Um, I like the Mephisto Waltz a lot more than I was expecting to. And it may have been that I watched it after Audrey Rose. So it was like, thank God it's a horror movie. Um, <laughs> and uh, I liked uh, legacy was a little, a little rough. I didn't think that one was particularly great, but I didn't dislike it. Um, <laughs> Demon seed was nuts. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. If, yeah. That movie's like really whacked out. It has some really bad effects, but like also like appreciate like the body horror, like, like you probably could have just not shown that. And there's just like, it's very clearly like not a real person's head. Like it's very much like a mannequin head. Um, but I found that kind of stuff interesting, weird movie. Um, but so all of those are horror films technically. And then uh, for movie club this week, uh, we're our month of September. We're doing represented. Uh, so we're trying to watch movies from either black filmmakers or Asian filmmakers, or that at least have a predominantly not white cast. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, to, to, break up the monotony of, of the industry and yeah. uh, Cor- Corey picked a movie called Atlantics uh, from 2019 I believe that's a Netflix original um, and I'm going to forget what part of Africa it's set in but it's set in West Africa I think the car or something like that um, and yeah, I knew like, I actually I needed capital city or somewhere that is yeah yes it is um, I need to do some more research into like the context of it this movie's really cool because it, it takes, there's a twist. I thought it was just going to be like a drama. And it's so not just a drama. Like there's like a whole horror element to it. That's really cool. Um, it's not scary. That's not what I mean by horror, but it has like a Gothic kind of horror undertone to it that I found to be really, really cool that I did not know was happening until it was like happening. And I was like, what's going on? Oh, oh, wait a second. Is this yeah. movie? And I, I, have you seen it? Uh, yes, I have yet. Oh, interesting. Um, I knew nothing about this movie until Corey picked it, and uh, I was I I can't wait to talk about it with her tonight. But I really liked it a lot. Uh, were you a fan? 
Yes, I was. Yes, I was for most of the reasons which that Eve just said as well. And Corey's always got, um, generally always got very good taste with, um, especially when it comes to, uh, tagging me on Twitter and Instagram for exorcist stuff. But I'm interested <laughs> to hear your, well, to be fair, I'm interested to hear both of your thoughts on it, especially Corey's picked it. So there's obviously a reason why she's picked it. So that's going to be interesting to hear. Yeah. I'm curious your if she knew. As well. Yeah. Like exactly. If she knew about the twist ahead of time. Um, cause I did not, I was really like, um, I didn't even know it was a, a, a different language until I was watching the movie. I was like, oh, I, I mean, and I'm okay with that. But I was just like, I wasn't ready to like read a movie. So I, like, I really had to like make sure I could block out the time and not do anything else. Because with subtitles, I have to like watch the whole thing. I can't look away. And I usually, I try not to, to multitask with podcast movies, but I've just been really overwhelmed with stuff lately. So I've been having to do a little more multitasking. So uh, that movie demanded that I watch it. And I'm really glad that it did. Cause it, it was, I was super intrigued by the end of it. Um, and then I have caught up with what if I've seen all four episodes so far, uh, mm-hmm. I gotta tell you, dude, three and four go pretty dark. Like, heard this. I was, I was like, wow, this is interesting. And, uh, the, the, I don't think this is a spoiler, but episode five, they're marketing as the zombie episode. We're getting the Marvel zombies. Um, so I'm very intrigued. A poster on um, social media doing the, the official poster doing around on social media. So, um, and I've heard that the the last one, um, I think, it was Doctor Strange. I've heard that was you know, really quite good. And I've heard number three as well was went, went places. Yeah, I liked what they did with three. Um, I, there were parts of three that felt a little rushed. I think with the storytelling that I'm like, I would have liked for you to to slow down and like really flesh this out a little more. Uh, Doctor Strange was super compelling. And again, I think it, it does more for the, the character. Cause I think a lot of the criticism levied at Strange is that he's just like always arrogant. Like he really never has any kind of growth in any of the roles. And I think this makes him have a little more growth and maybe build a little empathy. Um, although I guess it's not the Doctor Strange in the MCU technically, cause this is like the what if scenario. But, um, and then, uh, what we do in the shadows season three has started. They dropped two episodes for week one, um, picking up where it left off last season. I'm a big fan of this series. If you've been sleeping on it, Matt, yeah. um, I can't <laughs> recommend enough. Uh, these FX comedies, man, Dave and what we do in the shadows have been excellent and really fun to watch. Um, it's one of the few series that I'm watching like live. A lot of times I'll wait, um, to get into something, but I, I've watched both Dave and I might follow behind a week or two, but, um, so far, I've been happy with both uh, follow-up seasons. So, r- highly recommend if you have Hulu, check out FX on Hulu. What we do in the shadows and Dave. But I, I am uh, two episodes into season three, and it's it's looking looking positive. Um, yeah, that's what I've been watching. What about uh, did, you, did you? I'm assuming you haven't gotten around to starting Ted Lasso yet. Or are you still, are you going to wait for that now? I, I at this point, yeah, I was going to this weekend. I was going to go ahead and jump on the Apple TV Plus because I I had a three day weekend but my weekends just have been busy. I think once I finish the uh, Alex Ross Perry list, I will feel like I don't have to watch as many movies. Yep. Um, I have felt really compelled to watch movies again. Like yes. there was a stint like a few months ago where I was like, I'm okay if I don't watch something. Mm-hmm. And now I, I'm like, I'm finding myself like in a day, I, like on a weekend, I'll watch two or three movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not even writing reviews for them still. Like I'm, I'm still only writing my reviews for the newer movies. I'm not really writing reviews for the older stuff. Um, so it's not like a compulsion for that reason. It's just like, I just want to check more movies off of my watch list and TV feels like it's a commitment thing again, right? Like I want to watch Ted Lasso, but I have to watch 10 episodes or whatever. And that feels like 
I could watch two or three movies in that time. So even though we know we're going to enjoy season two of Ted Lasso, right? And um, I think I like I like TV when I'm in work mode. Um, and right now my students are starting like productions, so I don't have a lot of stuff to grade. Um, because like while they're doing productions, I'm just kind of waiting for them to turn in their movies. And even then grading a movie is very different than grading like an essay or whatever. So when I have stuff to grade TV is great. Cause I throw it onto the background. And even though I love Ted Lasso, I'm content with watching it as a background. Uh, cause I'm not, I'm not planning on doing any kind of deep analysis on it. Um, so I feel like once I get to that point, I'll be a little more willing to like throw it on, uh, you know, I don't know. Um, Again, it is another subscription service. And I just have so many. Uh, I just am like, oh man, I really wish it was on something else. I almost would. I almost want to wait and just buy it. Um, if they they have been releasing them, I think on like Vudu and stuff after the fact, like oh, a year after the fact. Um, and I love the first season so much. I don't want to wait a year though uh, to watch season two. So I will end up no. subscribing before the end of this month. But um, but yeah, I still haven't yet. There we go. Busy, busy weeks again. But. That brings us to the finale, the end of our show. And before we leave you, we must look deep within ourselves and ask the question, how are we staying bloody awesome? Matt, I am intrigued uh, if this is a literal or metaphorical thing that you are you put on your paper here. But what is the thing you've been doing to stay bloody awesome? I put this on there simply to bamboos, bamboos with you, John. Book booze you. It's not anywhere near as it, <coughs> excuse me, as exciting as it sounds. Um, I've already mentioned it. I've stayed bloody awesome by being a, by being fifty, by being a professional, and by being a dad at the same time. Uh, mm-hmm. Circumstances have um, meant that um, the young Padawan is with me for the most of the for the whole week. Uh, COVID circumstances, she's with me. She hasn't got it neither. Have I. Um, so. It's been fabulous. I've been staying bloody awesome by taking my taking my little one to the petting zoo or the farm, um, going going on big going on big shopping trips, you know, big spending lots of money on her, um, and then having her here for the whole week, man. It's been great to spend that time, but also having to then juggle that with having to work, but proving to myself, you know what, I can do this. I am a modern man. I can work. I can be a dad, and I can be bloody awesome whilst doing it. So. Um, Pretty much anything I had planned has been is kind of gone out the window, but I mean I wouldn't have it any other way in terms of seeing the little ones. So um, juggling lifestyles, priorities, and yeah, juggling. I, I put it there because I knew that JB would be like, "Oh, he's, he's he's become an uh, entertainer. He's finally lost wrong, his mind." I I pondered, was it literal juggling, or does this mean the thing that I, as a teacher, have had to do my whole career, which is juggle everything all the time. Um, I've always used that metaphor uh, for what my job entails is like, you're constantly juggling and every once in a while you're going to drop one ball. You just hope you don't drop them all. (laughs) We used to use that in that expression in project management as well. You're you're juggling or you're spinning plates and whatnot. And you just try to keep them all up. But um, so juggling priorities, but you know, is what, and whilst also um, indulging in all those films I mentioned earlier on and, Shang-Chi as well. So uh, what about yourself, my friend? Have you been um, learning tightrope or trapeze? So no, not quite. However, um, ah. I, I, 
I have what I've written on the sheet is Ted talking, which yes. now I think could be a fun way of describing talking about Ted Lasso. But <laughs> what I don't know how familiar the rest of the world is with Ted talks. Yeah, we know we like a good Ted talk over here. But in education, we we were bombarded with them a few years ago. That was like a thing. Like we would see them at every Buzzword, faculty yeah. meeting, and then we would use them in our classrooms. And kids got to where they hated them. One of my favorite ones, though, if you've ever seen the J.J. Abrams Ted talk about the mystery box. It's yeah. amazing. <laughs> Highly recommend. I've seen um, that. But I, I like to pontificate. It is something that I do. And obviously, as a podcaster, that's not that surprising, probably. I, I probably d- have done it three times on this episode alone. Um, but I'm in, I'm in a TED Talky kind of mode right now, uh, where I feel like I have information that other people need, and I'm quick to launch into these uh, lectures. And uh, the last couple of days, especially, I... I uh, a friend and I, um, a coworker and friend, we we did lunch and played magic on Sunday, which we had not nice. done for two weeks. Pretty much since school really got in the flow, we haven't had a chance. And we did. And I I didn't realize, but we went to lunch at like 1230. By the time we left, it was 140. And that was because for at least 30 minutes, I was talking way too much. Like, I, again, sorry for my Alexa. Um, Don't say a name. Uh, we... we <laughs> We, I was just talking. I was just running my mouth like about like things that I see wrong with education right now and that I really wish we could change and like the future of our school and things like that. And then it happened in class today where like something was going on and I was like, I started talking and I, I have this very, it's, just a, it's a dangerous slippery slope type thing. When I speak to large groups, I always look for the nodder. And I don't know if you've ever had to do any public speaking, Matt, but in my experience, That's there's yes. one... There's one person who, if they're feeling you, they are nodding with you, right? That's like their me. head is nodding. If I see that, it emboldens me and encourages me to not stop. So I just keep going and it's, I'm in Ted talk mode. And for me, it does make me feel bloody awesome because what I'm actually doing is it isn't me saying this is all of it or like, this is the way it is literally me trying to process something. And you're just getting me doing the work out loud. I'm showing my work, right? Like it's me working through something that is complex and challenging. And, uh, I enjoy it. It, 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 I always feel like I've accomplished something at the end of these long kind of conversations. And I do, I look for like my students or my friends to interject. Like I'm not trying to just talk at them, for an hour or whatever, I am looking for feedback and I want uh, interaction and I'm willing to stop talking, let someone else speak. Um, but it's this idea of like talking about things that matter in an intentional way rather than uh, acting like we have all the answers already. You know, that's to me, when I think of a good Ted talk, that's what I'm talking about. And I've been uh, given them basically for the last couple of days. And it's, you know, so I'm, in my head, I'm saying bloody awesome. I might be annoying everybody, in fact, but in my head, I'm saying bloody awesome. So that's how I've been doing it. I very much doubt you're annoying everybody, my friend. That could never be a possibility. Well, let's find out, folks, because we are going to wrap up this episode. But next week, we will be back to talk about the new James Wan movie that is dropping on both HBO Max and in theaters everywhere on uh the 10th yep september 10th which is annoying because i like to go to the movies the thursday night before but because of the warner brothers hbo releases they're not doing thursday premieres for their movies and i hate that i have to wait till the weekend now and i'm not going to go friday night because that's when people especially horror movies that's usually when you get the worst crowds 
our Friday yeah. night horror yeah, movies. Right. They're also not doing screenings or screeners for this film, which I find slightly uh, intriguing. Yeah, uh, folks, James Wan has had a lot of misses in the last couple of years, so let's see what happens. Um, you know, it might be good. It doesn't look great, but we're going to talk about it next week on our episode. Uh, before that, of course, you will get a spoiler episode for Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, so make sure you watch for your feed on that. It will drop on Monday. Uh, in the meantime, though, you can follow us on social media, Instagram, we're Bloody Awesome Movie Pod, and Matt, where are we on Twitter? Uh, at BAMP underscore podcast, B-A-M-P underscore podcast. And if you still use the Facebook, you can hit us up, Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. Individually, you can find me at BurkeReviews.com, at BurkeReviews on all the social media, including Letterboxd. Matt? Oh, just drinking my tea. You can find me by the kettle. Uh, you can find me what I watch tonight.co.uk, uh, what I watch tonight, all those socials John mentioned. Um, search me there. And of course, if you want to keep up with my uh, coffee shenanigans, hashtag basic Burke on yes. uh, Instagram. Bob you can Burke. see all of my, uh, my basicness. I did have a pumpkin cream cold brew from Duncan uh, during this podcast. Matt should start. Uh, hmm. Maddie T. I'm trying to think of what's a fun tea thing. Uh, well, I've got two T's in the end of my name, so we can use that somehow. Uh, we'll, um, we'll come up with something. We'll come up with something. It could just be Matty. Matty. Like, Matty. I, I used to get called that at, um, I don't know what the equivalent would be for you guys, but for us, it'd be j- junior primary school when I was between the ages of seven and 11. I see called Matty and I hated it, but now I can I, jive I, with that now. Feel that to my soul, yeah. dude. There's two people I've ever allowed call me Johnny. Johnny. Yes, I knew and it. No one else. <laughs> Um, listeners if you like what we're doing here at the bloody awesome movie podcast we ask that you take just a moment of your time and give us that five-star review it helps other people find us um and with that we encourage you to keep watching movies and stay bloody awesome When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Blood, 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 blood,